Blaine and Mickey on 104.5. The Zone, we talk a lot of football on the show, but uh, we love to talk college basketball. When Gary Paris joins us, and here we are. Gary Paris joining us from CBS Sports GP. What's going on in Mempho Town these days, man? Oh, uh, it's, it's currently raining. Um, we're trying to uh, get our heads around whether this Memphis basketball team is going to be good or not. Grizzlies are getting ready to start training camp. And as for me personally, I, I'm just sitting in a, in a first-grade school pickup line. Hey, help me settle an argument I had with somebody the other day. I grew up just outside of Jonesboro, Arkansas. So Memphis TV, Memphis radio, spent a lot of time in Memphis in my life. Who's the biggest living star in Memphis it, with any kind of a sports twist, would you say? The biggest living, like if he walked into a restaurant, people would Penny. get excited. Yes. It's probably Penny. It probably is still Penny. Yeah. Um, but, but, but Jerry Lawler oddly would be on that list. <laughs> um, that was who I said. I said Jerry Lawler. <laughs> yeah. John Morant would now be on that list. Zach yeah, Randolph true. would be on that list. And I think you could probably pick from, from that group of people. Yeah. Maybe even John Moran over Jerry Lawler, but I think for a long time it had to have been the King, right? Uh, he still oh, causes he, he, a big stir when he shows up in Northeast Arkansas. I know that he's, um, he's, He's somebody I've gotten to know as I've gotten older and, you know, our profession sort of uh, mixed a little bit. And, like, he and I hosted a Super Bowl party down in Tunica a few years ago, and that was, like, I, I've, I've got to know Gary fairly well, but that was still, like, a neat moment for seven-year-old me because you cannot overstate <laughs> what Gary the King Lawler meant to a seven-year-old back in the early 80s in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, for people who don't understand ratings for TV or anything, at one point, there was a TV wrestling show that came on out of the News Channel 5's TV studios in Memphis, and half the TVs every Saturday in the Mid-South watched that show. Half of the TVs. It's oh, and, staggering. And it was, right, and it was localized wrestling. It was like regional wrestling. This wasn't WWE or even NWA or WCW. And, and they would sell out the Mid-South Coliseum 9,000 seats every Monday night. I, it was a phenomenon unlike anything we'll ever see again. No doubt. Uh, much like this uh, current COVID college basketball yeah. season, a phenomenon hopefully we never see again. It does look like this, uh, GP. It looks like all transfers are going to get a waiver this year. And I guess maybe the reasoning was, why not? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always thought, why not? But, you know, the rules are the rules. And, and, and But for people who are maybe unfamiliar, the rule is changing in January no matter what. So no student athlete will ever have to sit out a, a season again when he or she transfers. And another thing I don't think casual sports fans understand is that most student athletes don't have to. It's only five sports where there has been a sit-out rule. Football. Yep men's and women's basketball, baseball, and men's ice hockey. So, like, if you play soccer at Tennessee and you want to transfer to uh, Boise State, you can, no problem. It's only those five sports I mentioned where there has been a sit-out rule. But, again, that rule is changing, supposed to change next month, and it appears now that the, the student-athletes that are sitting out right now because of a transfer rule are going to be allowed to, to go ahead and play this season for exactly the reason you mentioned. Why not? Who who benefits from having, you know, a random basketball player sit out a year right now? But the school that he left 
doesn't because they won't get him back. And so who benefits from it? Literally nobody. Let's just let everybody play. Gary Parrish on with a CBS Sports Memphis icon. He does a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, GP, man, thanks for coming on. And this is kind of a unique year in that uh, the COVID. So how does this impact the nature of travel, let alone when something changes and then they have to reschedule? Because we know basketball, you play two or three times in a week. Uh, so kind of take us through this process and what do you think is going to happen? I think we've already seen the way this is going to play out. Games getting canceled literally every day. Programs going on pause literally every day. And games getting thrown together with very little notice. I mean, they, they built something they're calling Bubbleville at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And teams are flying in there randomly. Like Florida was not supposed to go there. But then Florida had to shut down for a period of time. And they needed to get some games in. So the people at the Mohican Center are like, just fly up here, test, quarantine, uh, test again, and we'll get you some games. So, like, teams are, just get, are scheduling games on the fly. Like, Villanova was supposed to leave Bubbleville, I believe, after two games. And after they played those two games, they were like, well, Hartford's here. Let's just play Hartford, you know, tomorrow. And so they just stayed, and Hartford stayed. And they just played Hartford tomorrow to get another game in. And so it's going to be a lot of on-the-fly scheduling, unlike we've ever seen. Like, you, there was a time, in normal time, and, and, of course, with the Internet, you don't print anything out anymore, but you could print out Tennessee's schedule or Vandy's schedule, and you go, okay, well, this is, this is the games they're going to play. Well, if you still printed out stuff, this would not be the season to print anything because nobody – you can go to any website in the country and and look at the schedule the their men's basketball team has assembled right now, and that is not going to be the schedule they play. There is, I, I would predict, there's more than 330 schools playing Division One men's basketball right now, and I would predict literally zero will play the schedule they are planning to play at this moment. Well, with Gary Parrish, and, I, and man, you talk about Bubbleville, could the College basketball game in itself afford to miss another season or part of a season where nobody is playing? No, uh, they cannot afford to not have an NCAA tournament. I mean, that, that event is worth literally a billion, roughly a billion dollars. You know, and, and if you split it up, 600 million goes to member institutions, 400 million goes to the NCAA, and, and then the NCAA uses that money to create championship events for all of the non-revenue sports. So track and field, swimming, you know, soccer, everything else. And so you use the, 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 the correct word, afford. They cannot afford to not have that event. And that's why you can reasonably trust that that event is going to happen. What I've been saying about college basketball for a while now is this. Once they establish November 25th as a start date, I figured that, that we would start. And eventually we will end with an NCAA tournament, a champion will be crowned, but everything that happens between the point A and point B is going to be bumpy and unpredictable, but you can count on that NCAA tournament happening. And here's why, because it's worth a billion dollars. I was told months ago by somebody who's, you know, in charge of putting these types of things together, they were exaggerating, but the point remains the same. They said, even if we have to put the NCAA tournament by 68 teams to an island and put the whole thing in a bubble, that is what we'll do. And it's simply a math problem. Like, you know, 
like if you were to tell somebody it's going to cost two hundred million dollars to actually do a sixty-eight team bubble, you go okay, but we're going to make one billion dollars doing it. So that's money well spent. Would you rather have zero? Would you rather spend zero to get zero, or spend two hundred million to get a billion? Yeah. Talk to any accountant in the world; they'll tell you. What to do. <laughs> so they'll, they'll spend they'll spend any amount of money they have to spend to make sure they get an NCAA tournament completed. Oh man, you gonna have me give my my accountant a call too. By the way, really <laughs> Gary Parrish, man. One last thing, though, I gotta ask you: now, the games have happened. But man, the intensity of college games on their floor has definitely changed. It seems more like a scrimmage. What have you heard in the industry, or have you gone to a game and what it's felt like? I have not gone to a game yet. I was originally going to go to Orlando for the bubble they were going to create at Disney World, and then that blew up. Ultimately, they couldn't get the schools to agree on how to do it. And so then ESPN just basically said, all right, you guys do it yourself then. We don't need to do this. So that blew up. I decided not to go anywhere because, frankly, CBS doesn't want us traveling across state lines right now. So I have a colleague, Matt Norlander, who lives in Connecticut, so he could go to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. But for me to go to Connecticut, it would have been much more complicated, especially coming from a hot spot like North Mississippi. So I haven't been to a game yet, but I obviously have talked to people who have, and they will tell you that inside the arena or the gym, it's obviously different. Like there, most places are are playing white noise to, to create some sort of sound for television, and it it, it comes across fine on TV. I'm told it's weird in the arena. And then what you're also noticing is that at Bubbleville or the event they did in Fort Myers where Gonzaga and Kansas played last weekend, they're trying to block off any empty seats where you, you simply cannot see them. Because what they have, I think, realized from the NBA bubble is that if you don't see empty seats, you, you, can, you can forget that you're watching a basketball game happen in front of nobody. The visual is important. So uh, the way that, and if you've noticed, it, it, certain games um, that ESPN has done, they're shooting them from higher up, more directly down, and that is to create um, a shot that doesn't include empty seats. If you can just shoot down on the court, you don't see the empty seats. So the television aspect of it is really interesting. They're trying to create fake sound and eliminate empty seats to make it look more like a basketball game normally looks, but there is nothing normal about it. Um, you know, there, there's a certain, and you know as a professional athlete, there's a certain in, intensity that goes along with playing in front of jam-packed arenas or stadiums, and that is something that, that we've lost. Now, we've lost it for the most part in college football and in Major League Baseball and in the NBA and other sports, so, you know, we'll get through it, but it, it definitely changes something. And where I really think it changes is, is schools that have incredible home court advantages. Like, we just saw Duke get handled, no problem, inside Cameron Indoor the other night. Does that happen? Is the Cameron crazy there, creating, creating some incredible environment? Maybe not. So the schools that normally have great home court advantages, um, they, they probably lose something more than other schools during this pandemic. We're on with Gary Parrish, uh, CBS TV analyst and college basketball uh, columnist. GP, you mentioned uh, over 300. I think it's 357 teams that, that play Division One basketball, which is staggering. But with all those teams, you get chances for great stories. Like this dude, Jason Preston, 
who's from Mac country like Blaine, Ohio University, who averaged two points a game in high school and is now, you know, a, a superstar shooting star in college basketball. Yeah, that was a, a, a great story. In fact, like the head coach at Ohio is a guy named Jeff Bowles, who used to be an assistant coach at Ohio State for Thad Mata. So I've known Jeff for, for I don't know, 15 years. And after I heard that story, you know, he got told from people who don't know, they told this story during the broadcast of a game against, I guess it was Illinois last weekend. And then the story kind of went viral on Twitter and Facebook and other places. I texted Bowles the next day. I was like, yo, you could have hit me with that story at any point, And I'd have been happy to tell it um, because it is a wild story. That, that is the great thing of, about college basketball. That, you know, I know some people, you know, get frustrated that the roster turnover and the talent turnover from year to year is something that no other mainstream American sport deals with to this degree. Like, you know, if Trevor Lawrence were a basketball player, you would see him win a national championship and then you'd never see him again. Uh, but because yeah. of football and the rules in place, you get to see another year of Trevor Lawrence and another year of Trevor Lawrence. In basketball, if you go first team, second team, third team All-American last year, Luca Garza is literally the only one who came back to school. The other 14 players on that 15-player list either exhausted their eligibility or entered the NBA draft early. So, you know, you look at a preseason All-American team, and it's got Jared Butler on it and Marcus Zagorowski on it, and nobody knows who those people are except for people who have jobs like me or Baylor fans or, or Creighton uh, or, um, yeah, you know, Creighton fans. So the, the roster turnover makes the stars mostly anonymous until they become stars, and then we lose them and we have to replace them again. But the stories always come from somewhere. That's my larger point. And the story out of Ohio is just the latest example of that. With so many teams, you have a million different stories. It's just people's jobs, like, like my job, to, to find them and tell them and hopefully get people to appreciate it. Well, and, and a story in Tennessee, a, a guy who, who I've just kind of watched in awe is, is John Fulkerson, who plays for the Vols. This, you talk about a guy, I mean, we know him in Tennessee, but people in, in the college basketball world at large have to be thinking, who in the world is this guy that everybody's talking about? Yeah, but I, I do think he's one of those guys that will emerge as a possible All-American candidate because he's, he's maybe going to be the, the leading scorer slash best player for a, a, an SEC champion top 10 team. Now, clearly he's not Tennessee's best NBA prospect. They've got two one-and-done likely first-round picks on that roster. But when I talk to the staff, you know, because I, 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 I actually named John Fulkerson. I voted for him preseason SEC player of the year. But that was only after talking to the staff and saying, who's going to be your best player? And I was told it, it really might be John Fulkerson. And if it is, and Tennessee lives up to expectations, then he's, the, you know, arguably the best player on a team that's going to be a real Final Four contender. And that is how you launch yourself into a, a different level of notoriety. So you're exactly right. I, I don't think I could find many people in California at this moment who could identify John <laughs> But But if Tennessee lives up to expectations, and he does as well, then, um, then, then maybe you've got, at the very least, a college basketball star on your hands in Knoxville. Uh, Love it. Gary Parrish on with Blaine yeah. and Mickey. Well, before we let you go, man, we got to do the way too early pick of the Final Four to international champion. <laughs> you know what? I, I would have already changed probably from my preseason 
But at this point, I think it's pretty clear Gonzaga and Baylor look the part. You know, Gonzaga is just explosive on offense. You know, they've had the, the number one rated offense in the country each of the past two seasons in terms of offensive efficiency, and, and they're probably they're better this season. They've got a, you know, a top five pick at, at point guard in Jalen Suggs. Um, they've got another likely first-round pick in Corey Kispert. Drew Timmy is probably going to be a first-team All-American. You know, Jalen Suggs gets hurt last night. They're playing a top-15 team in West Virginia, and they can bring Andrew Nimhart off the bench, a former McDonald's All-American who started two seasons at Florida. That's how loaded the Zags are. So I would definitely have them on it. I would definitely have Baylor on it, especially after what Baylor showed against the top-five team, Illinois, last night. And by the way, Gonzaga, Baylor, number one versus number two, are playing uh, on Saturday uh, at noon Eastern uh, or maybe one Eastern on CBS. So that's a great early season showdown. And then, I don't know, I, 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 I might lean towards Virginia still just because I know that, yes, they took an early season upset, but they're going to guard so well. And I think they can be good enough offensively. So I'll throw Gonzaga in there with them. And then, you know, that Michigan State team looks really good. Now, I may be reacting to one nice win inside Cameron Indoor, but I thought if Michigan State could get Aaron Henry and or Rocket Watts to have breakthrough seasons, then, then, you know, they could compete for what would be a third straight Big Ten title. And so far, so good. Still early, but we'll see. So I guess in early December, put me down for Gonzaga, Baylor, Virginia, Michigan State. But um, I understand by by January 3rd, I'll, I'll probably change that up uh, significantly. GP, great stuff, man. We love it when you call in at Gary Parish CBS. People can find you there. And of course, on the air in Memphis 92.9 as well. Thank you, my brother. Take care. Say, GP. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> GP, man, that dude's the best. Uh, I'll tell you who else is the best. Big Jeff. He talked today on the Zoom meeting about the loss of Clowney and also about this defense coming together. People want to hear that. We'll also tell you who didn't practice today because that's out there too. Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Do I have everybody?